Hey there, you're welcome to Founders Connect, a show where I have conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and operators in Africa. This is the right show for you to be listening to if you love behind the scenes stories about people, their careers, and not your businesses. My name is Pisitimi, and I'm very, very, very delighted to be your host. You can follow this conversation on social media, hashtag Founders Connect. You can watch the video of each episode on my YouTube channel at PCTME or just search for Founders Connect on YouTube to find the playlist. Also, please share this podcast, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a rating, and you know, share it, hashtag Founders Connect. Enjoy the episode. Today, I'm having a conversation with the co-founder and CEO of Stairs. His name is Preston. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation because he doesn't have a typical tech founder, anything background. It's, it's very different. And it's not really the company that's also the typical tech company, right? So it's going to be very interesting to just learn about why he's doing this, how he started, and you know, also where they're going to. So make sure you stay and watch this video to the end. It's going to be really cool. Okay, so let's, let's dive in. Uh, I usually start Founders Connect videos with learning about founders, like okay. your background, and then would end up entering the company. But tell me about you. Where did you grow up? What schools did you go to? Okay. Favorite childhood So how, how far back are we talking? Because you know, if you remember how you, you felt when you came out, that's a good <laughs> point to start. Though. Okay. Um, let me start with, let me start with secondary school. I think that's a good, that's <laughs> a, I feel like that's when life started. So I went to, I went to Loyola in okay. Abuja, but I grew up in Benin. Right, so too. I did grow up in oh Benin really yeah. oh, look at that yeah. look at that small world <laughs> yeah so I grew up in Benin specifically Ikoba Hill so it was like far I went to Benedion oh wow did I you really go to Benin? I went to UDSS okay and I grew up in Ubo but I know Benedion children very really no, like I them to, I just went to primary school I didn't <laughs> go to secondary school so um I guess Abuja was like Loyola was Loyola was really good. I didn't know how good it was until like later when I started thinking about the benefits. But mm. you know, it was a school where like it was mixed, right? After growing up in Benin, like hanging out with many people from like a similar tribe, Benin Edo, yeah. all that. I didn't met like many Yorubas and many like it was just yeah. a, a small small city. And then Loyola just exposed me to, you know, a lot of other people. But it was also, I mean, Loyola is intense for, like, academics, yeah. right? So you're going there from Benina, you're, like, top of your class, you're feeling good, you know? And then <laughs> I, I remember my first, like, one of the first tests we did was math. And, you know, this 10 questions. And I was, like, on number six, people were finishing. Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, I realized that, actually, I was in different, a, a different league. Um, and after that, went to... Went to London for A-levels, so Stonyhurst College. Interesting thing is, I went to a town called Preston. That's where that's where Stonyhurst College was, right? But the other side of that is, I lived on a road called Preston uh-uh. Road. So you see two different Prestons. So Preston, the town in North London, so in North UK, so that was like up north after yeah. Manchester. And then Preston Road in London. So I didn't know what my parents were up to, but they were but obviously, you know, keeping you in line. Yes. Um, a level was good as well. I already knew I was going to study law. Like that was. How did from, you know? It was movies. It was movies. It was movies. <laughs> like I, I'm not proud of you know my decision making process, but it was movies. And I. Is there a particular movie that stuck? No, not one. I just felt like so. Both my parents are doctors. And because of that, I feel like medicine wasn't 
you know it, it didn't just it wasn't yeah, as okay. attractive you yeah. would think like your parents are doctors you know you want to do it but i just want to go in a different direction um but movies i also used to be interested in politics so i thought you know law it mm. felt close enough to politics i wanted you know a very tough not tough degree but i like the fact that you could learn a lot right. by studying law like you have to read a lot all of that was really really interesting um so from Stony Hurst went to LSE and actually studied law there. I think somewhere between Stony Hurst and LSE though, I I don't know if you just learnt a lot, but I feel like there was a lot of evolution, just understanding mm. myself, like getting more confident. I thought Stony Hurst was really, really important for like self-confidence. Mm. That just really pushed. And was there a reason why? Um well there were ten of us who were Nigerians. And everyone else was, you know, from a different part of the world. And we had to, like, just properly identify as Nigerians. That's the thing, mm. right? And, like, we're proud of being Nigerian. Like, there was a particular corridor that they used to call Lagos Corner where the Nigerians, <laughs> you know, were. So it was, I just hung out with people. And obviously, I didn't grow up in Lagos, but everyone else was from Lagos. Mm. So I was like, you know, what's this big deal about Lagos? Like, it's not just another you know, city. <laughs> But then, like, holidays and stuff, I used to spend more time in Lagos. Yeah. And then LSC, what did LSC do for me? Before um, you ask, an answer that question, okay. what did, you said over later in life, you realized that Loyola was really important. Why? I think it set high standards mm. for me um, across the board. Like, Loyola, they encouraged you to, like, dream. They made you feel like you were almost... Like you had an obligation to do something great because you know you go to a school where they're really smart people and everyone's pushing boundaries and people are like going to top schools you kind of think well i mean i'm supposed to do something <laughs> right that was the idea right but also so the standards are important but then when i also look at where lowlands are generally today right you know they're doing well for themselves it's it's always really impressive looking at my at my colleagues right um i think like last last year or like two years ago, a lot of people from my year, from my set, were doing their MBAs. And, you know, the way people were just going to Harvard and Wharton, it was like, ah, <laughs> what's going on, right? Like, people were, so it really, it like, really pushes you in, in, in that sense. And the Loyola community is still, like, strong till today. Makes One sense. of the reasons for that, actually, is because you had to, like, you couldn't join Loyola midway, like, in just three or just one. You had mm. to start from just one. Right. right. So everyone, so you knew everyone, yes, all the way, you know, to a city. So there was that bond. And also there was struggle with boarding school. Mm. It was, I mean, the full name was LJC. We nicknamed it Lookout Jail for Children. <laughs> that was like <laughs> a, a nickname. Well, it was intense, but, you know, it, it was good. So I think that's the main, that's, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with it. Okay, so tell us about LSE. LSE, whew. LSE, I met, like, so there's a strong stairs LSE link. That's why LSE is like extra special. Mm. So of the four founders, three of us met at the LSE. Oh, right? okay. And today, maybe there are 10, we're like 30, Is there bias there somewhere? And, you know, they like to buy just like more like love for, <laughs> you know, LSE, LSE alone. But like, I think there are probably eight to 10 people from LSE in stairs now. Um, obviously, that economics background, you know, data, information, all of that, it, it started there. But LSE was just, it was like eye-opening. Again, you meet people who are really good at what they do, really smart people, like pushing the boundaries. LSE was like political as well. 
I was really inundated with ideas, with like debates, philosophies, like it was like constant discussion and you know sharing ideas and all of that. So there was there was a lot of refinement, I would say, um, at at LSC that that got you know that sort of got me going. And then in the last year of of LSC, we started this event, LSE Africa Summit. And that's when entrepreneurship actually came in because mm. the theme was entrepreneurship. And we did it because in my previous year, so in second year, I was part of the like student union, African Caribbean Society. I mean, that was more for like parties and hanging <laughs> out. Like, you know, I mean, we did some job stuff and like LSE had this intense mm. job culture. Right, so like once you got in, you do your internship, you do this, you do that, you're going to the city, Goldman Sachs, so it's very driven in that sense. But after doing like the student union stuff, we thought, well, there's like the China conference where people like global leaders come yeah. and talk about all these, um, all these regions, so why don't we do something for Africa? And it was actually tough because like the school, the school supported us, but it wasn't like full support, you know? For instance, we had to get funding from like Nigeria, mm. literally had to like reach out to Nigeria organization, then bank like different organizations um, across the world. But it was a success because we managed to get some really good speakers. So President Mahama, he was, go he was the president of Ghana then, so he came. Um, there were a couple of like, I guess the second richest, was the second richest man in Africa at the point, like the founder of ShopRite, yeah. Christopher Wee. So it was good to be surrounded by those sort of people and then, you know, you, we we just met all these people who kept asking us the same question like so what are you going to do next mm -hmm. and i was like ah, we have jobs right? i'm going to work as a corporate lawyer you know my friend abdul who's not co-founder we're going to work as corporate lawyers right but like they weren't satisfied with that considering we're talking about entrepreneurship and yeah. how entrepreneurship would change africa it was like so, Why we're going to yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we started saying let's let's figure out something else you know to do so that's where like the, the idea for says like it, it started as early as, as that and that was 2014 mm. because it, it was indirect so we said because entrepreneurship seems like a, a big thing why don't we start investing in you know, some companies and the idea was you take like a thousand pounds put it on the Nigerian stock exchange mm. and you know just see what happens that forces you to start looking to the Nigerian economy pay, paying attention and that's when you just realize, well, where's the data? Mm. Like, where's the where's the high quality information that you're going to use to base your decisions on? Like, that's what kickstarted it because we were so used to sort of getting access to all this information from the really reputable sources, you know, from Bloomberg, you know, FT, yeah. you know, those sort of places, right? And then you're looking for your Africa coverage, your Nigerian coverage, yeah, and it, it just wasn't there. Like, I always talk about. I love the I love the Economist, and I used to read it. Like I used to try to read cover to cover, like the physical physical mm -hmm. copy. And even before before Brexit, right? You see discussions about Brexit, about China, about all these things. And then when it comes to Africa, you have it wouldn't be a full spread, <laughs> just in the right corner, you know, light blue background. That's like the Economist trademark, and they want story about Nigeria. And they would just use like GDP population, and that's it. That's your analysis of and. I was like, obviously, this doesn't tell the full story, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, 20, like that 2014 period was also when there was a broader narrative about Africa rising, right? So the cover of Economist, Time, like all, all of yeah. that had started. So we, we kind of felt 
there was something to be done. But of course, we just didn't know what to do. Mm. <laughs> so we were like, okay, data is a problem, information is a problem. Um, who are the guys doing this? You know, Bloomberg, Reuters, we like them, we like their business models. What we liked specifically about their businesses were, I mean, it was the fact that they were information businesses. Mm. Many people today still see like Bloomberg as a, as a news company because they go on to Bloomberg.com, right? Yeah. But Bloomberg doesn't make its money from its consumer business. It's an enterprise business. Like they have, you know, Bloomberg terminals, all sorts of services that go after like hardcore finance professionals. And those guys pay a lot of money. So when we uncover that business model, we're like, ah, this is how it works, right? And we decided, well, we didn't have any, you know, deep data skills at the point. And we're like, well, I think we can write. We'll be writing <laughs> essays, you know, so it's law. So I just reached out to all the, like, my, we're all friends then. So Abdul, my co-founder, he's CEO. He was doing philosophy and, and math, no, philosophy and econ. Michael, my other um, co-founder, he was doing straight econ. He was going on to his master's, he had just an undergrad, undergrad. And then Bode, who's at CTO. So he wasn't at LSE, he was the, he was the outlier. <laughs> so he was at Imperial. He was doing engineering, but he was, we had been friends since I was 10, so he went to Louis last week. Right. So it was like, okay, you're the one tech guy I know. Join <laughs> us, you know, I need you, I need you. And then we, we just came together and started, we just started writing. That's all we did. We just, we just we wrote articles, you know, we published them. We didn't have any money to pay. So we set up Writers Network, which was basically, we said to like smart people who wanted to write about or who wanted to just share their opinions about Nigeria, we said, why don't you write for us? And in return, we'll like, teach you how to write, we'll edit the article, <laughs> we'll like, invest back in your, in your writing skills. And people actually, people actually loved it. And we got a lot of people, like, we had to then, you know, set up tests to just choose some people. Not everyone could actually yeah, get into yeah. the writer's network. So there was this like, element of exclusivity very early on. And that helped because the people who, the people who started writing were really good. Mm. And I think that just, that began the distinct stairs voice in that at the back of our minds, what we're trying to do was, we knew that the gold mine was with data. Right. But we also appreciated that media played a very big role in, in that. And so we're like, why don't we start you know, doing all this writing? But at the end of the day, what we want to do, we're just trying to build this brand that helps us eventually, you know, when, when we want to do our data, data business. It was extremely slow for a while because, you know, it was part-time. I started working as a coffee lawyer. Right. So that was like... So you guys, when you, when you guys started thinking about the problem right after school, right? Mm -hmm. After LSE. Um, and you say sort of like started Writers Network, but you actually went to become a corporate lawyer before yes. coming back yes, to say, yes, yes, full-time. Yes, exactly. Right. So that was that was the period where I think Stairs should have should have died, mm. right? You know, just momentum because we didn't have enough time. To and how how many years was this between oh starting but then going full time into it? Oh, so full time. So we started full time in 2020, mm. right? So we started full time in 2020, and so all that period was was us just committed to the idea of producing like just quality quality Con information right um we weren't even confident that a we weren't fully confident that a business would come out of it but there was enough dedication and the fact that everyone had like something else they were doing meant it wasn't too we weren't reliant on stairs so you know there were no costs we didn't have to worry about that it was i mean when i 
the story of stairs could easily have been just a blog that we mm. were working on for a while like an economics blog that's what it was right um it only really evolved from that in like 20 2019 so the year before we went full-time and that's because of the nigerian um, Nigerian elections right so and I had moved back so I moved back in 20, 2018 why did you move back I I enjoyed corporate law um it was intense <laughs> no, it wasn't my first department was structured finance and I mean I came out from LSE feeling like you know I, I had an idea of what was going on you know LSE gave, gave us all a bit of confidence and then you go into this workplace where everyone is like an Oxbridge mm. grad, right? You know, LSE is like just, it's, everyone's like that and you have to differentiate on a, on a different basis. Um, and the work was like, the, the law firm I, I went to was doing some of the most innovative, like legal work. It was like the second biggest law, I mean, maybe first largest or second largest like law firm in Europe. So, it was frontier stuff. Right. And when you see people who are deeply passionate about what, what they're doing, you realize, you know what, I'm not as passionate as this guy. Because <laughs> right? there were people who were really dedicated to it. And it was very important, just as a matter of like personal pride, to always do best work. But I could see the I could see the passion yeah. gap. That's what when I saw people who were really putting in the hours, like putting in the work, I was like where are you getting me. that energy from <laughs> right and because it was intense all around you had to work late hours that probably like i think that experience probably broke my work life balance <laughs> you know structure somewhere <laughs> there i just yeah it's like after that experience i was like yeah you can work at work at 1 a.m is okay you know 2 a.m yeah if you can send out the email why not like do it then right um but coming to nigeria was just because i felt i had I felt I'd enjoyed London as you know much as I could. I learned lots. Mm. Um, I felt Nigeria was genuine. I felt like we we're on the cusp or something. Mm. Um, that was yes, on one hand, like the tech ecosystem, but I didn't know enough about it at that point, right? But I just felt like differentiated skills in Nigeria. The fact that there was this, you know, information gap. It was an opportunity. And yeah, that gave me like th that was what I needed. Also, I didn't feel like disconnected from Nigeria in any way. Mm. I used to come back, right? Know, like, so it was easy to just run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very aware of what I was coming to. Mm. It's not like I came back expecting, you know, save the world. Like, <laughs> I knew what was on God. I grew up in Benin, so I was actually moving to Lagos for the for first the time. time. Yeah, yeah, Lagos. I remember coming on, I didn't know where. I didn't know the thing, B.I., Lekki, Kumi, <laughs> like all that stuff was. When yeah. we say I'm in Lekki, I'm like, okay. My, <laughs> so I, I live with my sister and she was in Aja and I didn't know where Aja was. <laughs> I thought Aja, in fact, in my mind, Aja might have been beside the Kumi, you know, it wouldn't be far. I was thinking about all of that. I arrived, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> where are you driving? Where are we going? Why? Hey fam, so here's a short story. When I was moving to the UK, I thought I was moving, moving. So Nigeria hasn't been to me for a very long time. So I did not renew my rent, gave out all my furniture, even cleared out my bank account. But I realized also long after that I was really playing myself. I mean, I have way too many times in Nigeria to just think that I would just up and just go like that. So I'm having to visit more often for work or to see family. Oh, I have clients in Nigeria that need to pay me now. It's kind of stressful juggling both, but I'm beginning to like it, especially the part about managing my finances in both countries. 
because my UK income, my bank can use it to sort out my UK bills. And when expenses arise in, in, in Naira, in Nigeria, I can use the money I have in Naira to either send, send to family or even like spend when I'm in Lagos so that I don't have to like exchange money. For instance, a friend of mine in Canada needed money um, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, I don't have money in pounds to share, but I had money in Naira. So I used AfriChange, which is a remittance product that facilitates money transfer between the Canada and Nigeria corridor. I used AfriChange to send money from my Naira account to his Canadian bank account. And when he was ready to refund me, my friend sent me money from his Canadian bank account back to my Naira account with the same AfriChange app. AfriChange is available as a website, um, a web app, so you can sign up and send money online. Or you can also download the app on iOS and Play Store. And it's really good. Best rate, fast speed, good customer service. Oh. Anyway, so now people ask me, please, where do you live? I'm like, you know what? I think I actually shuffle both Lagos and London. Stressful, but I'm loving it. Anyways, end of story. Back to the video. <laughs> and like the traffic as well. Like I knew Lagos traffic, but like, I experienced Aja traffic. My first, so I came actually in December 2017, but I went to Benin and then came back to Lagos properly in January. But December 2017, there was first casting. <laughs> And I, so I just arrived, like, and it's I saw Proskasi, and I'm like, so this is what it's about, so this is what I'm back to, and, like, the Aja Road, because I was near the fish, like, for those who live in Aja, you know where the fish is, like, we are getting estate, and the traffic, and I expected, I remember, 2018, I was expecting Proskasi, because I was like, ah, every December now, Proskasi, like, yeah. this, this, is my, this is my memory, right, so, it was, it was, it wasn't, like, I, I don't want to say it was like tough in a very, very dramatic way or anything, but I was mentally, I was mentally prepared yeah. for it. What I wasn't mentally prepared for was, you know, where my parents would be and everything. So working in the, working in UK gave me a certain level of independence. And because of that, I wasn't reliant on, on them. Um, so I moved back, like, I was going to move back and it was going to be my decision, yeah. like, at worst case, I'll use my own savings, How do all of that, right? So I moved back 25. Hmm. And that because I had my 25th birthday and I was like, yes, this is it. I'm done. I'm, you know, coming <laughs> back. Um, so I was ready to just do my, do my own thing. But there's a dynamic about Nigeria. You see, when you're, in, when, you're in, when you're in London, you have a bit more independence when you're abroad, even if, like, because your parents aren't yep. there, right? But when you're in Nigeria, even though I was in Lagos, eh, it was like they were still, like, they, like close in... by, <laughs> you know? You, they, were, they, they had more influence over my thinking. And so the big, the, the big decision was, like, I mean, when you, when you, get, to, um, when you get to Nigeria, because I had studied law, yeah. because I qualified as a lawyer, the they wanted me to go to nigerian law school mm. and i was like nigerian law school <laughs> i don't understand like nigerian law school really <laughs> really um, but i did go and i went you because did. one of my one of my uncles basically said and he's been supporting like stairs ever since he said if i go to nigerian law school you know he would just support office space any small thing that i need i was like you know that sounds like a good deal because his office was in vi Right. And Nigerian law school was in, yeah. you know, was in VR as well. So I said, you know, sound like a good deal. I'll take it. And so I went, started law school in 20, 2018, went to Abuja for bar one. And obviously everyone in, everyone doing bar one, like different age, age yeah. bracket for me, because I spent time in, in UK. So 
I was I was doing it with like people with three, four years, you know, kind of younger. Yeah. yeah. So after class, I'll just go back to my room and <laughs> just continue like, you know, working on stairs and all of that. So that again, that was interesting for me. I went to law school, but I didn't like, I didn't participate fully. You just went to I school, wasn't, came out. Yeah, and I was like, see, it's just to pass the bar now. That's the key thing. As long as you don't fail that <laughs> final exam, right? So obviously that went, that went smoothly. I'm not even sure if I, if I ever really opened my, my result when, when the result, because like law school results, they big thing. Everyone's like, you know, just like, hmm, well, I'm moving on <laughs> out of this place. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's when, so 20, 2019 came. So law school was one year? Yeah, law school was one right. year. Law school was one year. So finished at the end. Yeah, law school, law school finished in 2019. Okay. Right. It was one year. But there was a gap in between because when you do, if you if you study abroad, you do bar one in Abuja, mm. then you come to Lagos and do you know bar two. So there was that you time in between, back. yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, elections were the big like pivotal moment for stairs. Mm. That's when that's when things like picked up. And Australia and, and how was that? Was, so we, we were we asked ourselves, what are we going to do for Nigerian elections? Did your co-founders move as well? They moved. Later, so I, I, I arrived. Right, I, I I I arrived first. Meanwhile, Michael, um, our head of intelligence now, he had actually moved to Lagos before before me, right? But he moved to Lagos to like just live as a Lagosian, right? You know, stairs so wasn't necessarily top of um, top of mind. He was at Betiva an Investment Bank. He actually was to the chief economist there, so you know, he was was fine. Body CTO was in was in the UK. He, after Imperial, he went on to Oxford to do a computer science um, degree. Abdul It's like a really smart person. Oh, yes. <laughs> they are all like my co-founders and the, like, they're the smart ones. Let me, let me, let me put it that way. Abdul, my other um, co-founder, we went to, we are the same law firm in London. When I moved back, he then went to, he then went to Oxford and did and started a data science master's there. So him oh. and Buddy were, you know, living Oxford at the same time. In fact, after that, he actually started his PhD there in computer science for like, for a few months before, you know, okay. I pulled him on. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're doing this thing full time. Um, so yeah, I was the one in, I was the one in right. Nigeria, but elections were coming and I, and we said, how are we going to be different? And that was it, right? People were asking us for analysis and articles. Yeah. And we were like, I don't think that's what Nigerians need, or more articles, because the nation is going to cover it this day, all these guys. So we said, let's lean into our strengths. Let's focus on data. Mm. And so we spent about six months just collecting previous election results data. Um, all of this was usually part-time while I was in, you know, while I was in law school. But we were just collecting data, collecting, and then we had to, like, structure it, clean top, you know, different races, Senate, House of Reps, gubernatorial. We had time. Mm. And so we put it all together and started building in November. And what were you guys building exactly? We were going to build, I mean, we, we ended up building, but an election site. Mm. Basically, you go on there and you could see the election results and it was just like visualized. So you could click on map, you know, when you, it was interactive. So you click on it, you go to a state, you see the results, you see all the candidates who were running in that state down to like House of Reps, all the results. So we had the 20... We had the 2015 data, and because we had 2015 data, we knew what the format of data was like, and so we could prepare for 2019 data. So when they were releasing like the candidates, we were just like storing it mm. and, and doing doing all of that, right? 
um, it was a massive, massive, like, shock on election day. In fact, election week, because after focusing on building that from, like, November, it was, again, very slow because everything yeah. was, you know. We then took on this, like, project because someone was interested in the idea of crowdsourcing data, which basically means, you know, all of us just send data to a central central location. And election was, like, a good place to, mm -hmm. to try that out, right? So we said, why don't we just get, like, Nigerians? About, probably got about 800 to 1,000 Nigerians spread out across the country, right? Onboarded them onto a very, very basic, like, website where they could put in their details, like, register, and then tie themselves to a polling unit. Right. So the polling unit they were going to put, there were 112,000 polling units. We asked Nigerians, you know, indicate your polling unit, and people did. Like, they were very happy to go to their polling unit and just say the result. Because what actually happens is when you finish voting, and they count it at polling unit level, and someone actually announces it at each polling unit. Now, like, this assuming, like, your polling unit is a in the same environment, mm. you know, no, no thugs is, have come yeah. to carry the ballot box, right? So people were just reporting, right? So we basically had an internal dashboard and we're getting all these results from polling across. I mean, we had, we were tracking polling at least all 36, 36 mm. And Kano and Lagos, we had most, most agents there, but it was, it was an experiment. We're just trying to see if you could get data yeah. from, you know, citizens. Because of that, we are totally forgetting about the election side. Like, we forgot about what we had been building since November. Because we we're just so busy with this. It was like logistics. We we're handling all of that, right? We got some volunteers. We didn't have to even pay anyone. Our writers network came back to help us. Mm. And then I was literally on my phone. And I just wanted to see how the, how the site was doing, like the election site. And I was, and I saw two million. What is this? Like, what's, what's going on here? I, I closed the app, opened the game. We had 2 million users Damn. Right, on it. And we had no idea. We're still doing, we're still dealing <laughs> with our, you know, agents because, and we had to, we had no idea. We were all like just hanging out. We had no idea, right? And make you're like, guys, 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 like, everybody, open your laptop. There's something going on, right? Because there's so many people. We weren't expecting that much traffic. So, I mean, it, it started crashing. Of course. <laughs> Because people were also like, they were also refreshing. Mm. Right? Because we had the 2015 data, and this was when everyone was waiting for 2019 results. So people were just looking at 2015 data. Because of that, we're like, okay, we need to make sure we put this 2019 data as soon as it comes out. Now, the good thing was we already had like structured our data. So we already had like all the candidates, we had their parties, everything. The site was already ready. All we needed to do was put the numbers. So the moment the election, um, the moment they started announcing the election results, right, we started putting it in. It was live. It was literally the only, the only live, live yeah. you know, live place, right? And that's when we found out that we got a boost that we had again. We, it's weird to say we had forgotten about all this stuff, but so many things were happening that we, we forgot. We actually had an interview with CNN, but it was a, it was a phone call, right? And the guy had written an article on CNN. So that article had been published. Right. That's what happened, right? The article had been published and obviously it was global. So people from everywhere were just yeah, going to the site to get it because the, the article was literally titled Nigeria's first real-time election database. So we're like, ah, we <laughs> have exists now. It has to be real time, right? And we did that, right? And we're actually so proud of our, ourselves because this was just a And at this time, was it just the four of you? Yes. So it was And the was, writers network. Yeah, and the writers network. So right now we're just the you know the volunteer. Actually we had Aisha. Aisha is now CNN. Love her. She was like she, 
she joined us when we didn't really know what direction <laughs> we're going we're just like experimenting mm. um so she was she was also she was also um on the on the team we had an intern we had one other person who was helping us with, with, with marketing as well but again all this was just part-time it was more we couldn't really pay people enough to you know get them to 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 join us but it was enough yeah like it was enough and we just like leaned into it we really like leaned into it you know we started posting stuff on social media like the shape files of each state and the result were like winner because there was a gap between the elections mm. right the presidential and then the governor so by the second by the second like weekend we're yeah, ready. ready we're like ah no we've done this before we know we know what people want right and that was that's when everything changed because and after, after that, that you're like yeah after time. that we're like yeah, yeah yeah we're like this is a this nigerians want data mm. that's what it was because all of that was publicly available data mm. it wasn't like we we didn't need to go to like INEC office and you know beg somebody no all this data was on the internet but no one had aggregated it right like really made it easy for people because a map that shows green and blue apc states pdp states you you know you hover over it and it's showing the votes and the winner like people hadn't seen that for for nigeria and that was that was enough to really get us convinced and of course like investors after that we started having investor conversations and we said yeah let's do it so stairs is an intelligence company yes. data and media though. so we the way we like to think about it is we're an intelligence company but our intelligence is basically content on data mm. and the reason that's so important is not everyone wants like raw data many people just want answers <laughs> what is the biggest you know subsector in nigeria right which part of the economy is growing fast so people don't always want raw data sometimes they want insights as well so when we look at a particular issue like in the last let me say 12 months 12 to 18 months we sort of build this re reputation for good coverage of the cbn mm. because the cbn is not an easy it's not an easy institution to, to cover right you need to understand monetary policy to really explain explain right so the fact that we had all these like economists in the team people really understood what they were talking about making the cbn easy to understand like you know Murphy does this and we explain yeah. it, like, why he's doing it and we started drawing this direct connection between like the dollar and everything else in nigeria it's mm -hmm. fascinating mm -hmm. how like almost every single part of nigerian economy right now is just tied to like protecting the naira mm. right that that exchange with the fact that it's fixed like their price controls all over the place like Niger nigerian economy is fascinating it's actually really fascinating where we see like we're we're addicted to all sorts of price control we control the price of naira petrol electricity <laughs> all these things so it's it's when you really on on market right you see all the incentives and making that easy for people that like that that's been really powerful because that allowed us to start doing all the more exciting like data work and you know we want to do more of that as we even grow so yeah it's it's, it's both of them content data together we call it intelligence. intelligence that makes sense how easy has it been raising money for stairs um so there are investors who just get it mm. that's it it's as simple as that right i mean with any fundraising you would speak to many people right and sometimes you have to explain what's about it's not your pure you know payment gateway like, <laughs> ah, we know this one now you know it's not your health yeah. tech, it's not remittances right but when you meet someone who gets it they're like see this is the most important thing right now and that's very powerful right we love those we, we love those investors like the even the phrases they use it's 
there's a there's a big fan of stairs he's really high up in like the sort of finance world and he keeps reminding us that you know stairs is one of those companies that really can be systemically important mm. right and the phrasing around how it's a company that can have a lot of influence you know when you really start to put out high quality information people rely on you and there's that trust because trust is important yeah. right? people would happily take an estimate of any industry for McKinsey because like it's McKinsey. McKinsey mm -hmm. says the music industry in Nigeria is 200 billion. Yeah, it's 200 billion. I'll run with it, right? So that trust is big. Um, and yeah, when you like, even if there are meetings with the investors who you have to explain and you say, okay, subscription model, all of that, I'm like, okay, you know, we're not quite sure. When you just meet the, the guy or girl who's like, this is it. I've seen this business before. Like, I love it. It needs to be done in Africa. It gives you all the confidence you need. Yeah. And you say that with a smile on your face, like... Because when, 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 when is there, like, fundraising is, is tough mm. for any entrepreneur, right? You know, it takes time. Also, we are in an economic downturn. This, <laughs> this is what I remind everyone, right? So, you know, how the tech ecosystem is going to look, I mean, over the next 12 to 18 months, um, how funding will change. But, like, they're, they're believers. I think entrepreneurs can really be supercharged by believers. Mm. Not people who are on the fence, who are like, like just those people who are sometimes irrationally optimistic about what you're, you're building. Because I think as an entrepreneur, like optimism is important. Yeah. You are basically saying this thing that you're building is, you know, has a high chance of success. It's going to be important. And there will be very smart people mm. who explain to you why that doesn't make sense. And they will be right. But you still have to be a bit irrational. You still have to be like, yeah, I hear you. You're the expert in this space. No problem. But we're going to do it this way. Like one of the big examples of that is Stairs has this idea of a slow newsroom. Mm. And I remember speaking, there was this guy who assured me that there was no hope if we were not fast about everything. That something happened, we had to get it out immediately. Like, it just happened now. Just comment on it. Breaking now, news. Now. Like, just <laughs> do it. It was like, this is how media works. And we're like, understood. No problem. Our model is slow news. Mm. We're going to add depth. Because we don't need, like, if you want to go in that direction, you're competing with Twitter. You can't compete with Twitter. Yeah. Twitter is a whole, you know what yeah. it's like. So we're like, we're going to take our time, slow down, and then we will write the article on the issue. Right. The one that everyone was like, ah, you want to understand it, don't worry, let me send it to you. Right. That was that was the thinking behind it. So the average says that creates 2,500 words, right? And on you still see people like, who reads, you know, that was articles, going to be my next question. Article. Like who's your audience? Who's they paying for this? So there are there are different kinds of people. Um they're obviously like the finance professionals who need it for their work. We call them knowledge workers, right? In their day-to-day -day lives, they need information because they're always making decisions, right? They're either writing reports, they're advising clients. That's their, that's their job, right? It's a bit clear how, how much value the product creates for them. But the more fascinating segment are what we call the generalists, right? Mm -hmm. They're just people who are... They buy, in quotes, confidence from stairs. That's how we, that's how we say it, right? Because they I don't understand confidence. this issue. Yes. I don't understand this issue, right? But I read this article, and you know what? The next time we're at dinner, we're chatting about this, right? Now I, I, now have, I now have my informed opinion, right? And I can put it down as... And people are like, okay, you obviously know what's going on. So we hear that, oh, like, people 
we didn't see that use case until people started telling us about it. Like people are like, so no. at first you guys were writing for the FINA, for the knowledge workers. Yes, yes, it was always for the knowledge workers. Like that's what we thought because we came from this data mindset. Yeah. And over time, people started to really enjoy the explanations, the like breaking down things. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is a very important use case. This is lots of people, like. My mom, for instance, is a very, very fascinating, like, stair subscriber. Because she's always messing with me, like, oh, I now understand why this thing like this. I'm like, that's interesting. I've been saying this at home since, for years. <laughs> but but not you the and like, So you realize people, like, obviously people learn in different ways. So, like, that really, that really fascinates us. But the, the generalists, they, are, they come in all shapes and sizes, all walks of life, all levels of They seniority. just want to know stuff. Yeah, they just want to know stuff. Different like, topics will fascinate them as well. Yes. We wrote an article about, um, I think it was, was it 2020? You know, there, there was that dress, the, the Gaia um, dress. Yeah. And it was really popular. And we had a customer interview with an energy company. And we were talking to this guy, and like, you know, what are your favorite articles? And we was like, you know, that article about the dress. <laughs> and we're like, sorry, you know, you are, what are you talking about? He was like, that article about dress, far from his sector. <laughs> he wasn't there about oil and gas, petrol casting, no. The article about the dress, he was fascinated by the supply chain, he was fascinated about how the dress was sort of moved across, you know, the design, everything finally to people's doorsteps. So you find like, stories that make sense that help people explain things like they, they actually do do enjoy it that makes sense how many subscribers do you guys have now we don't we don't see our subscriber and yeah it's a company you know we don't we don't, we don't share it you know in the, <laughs> like subscriber numbers are very are very we'll, we will share it we're waiting to hit setting milestones so that we can come out and like we are here we have hit the number um but yeah we are we are so let me let me ask a different <laughs> question. What are you what are you guys most proud of, or what are you personally most proud of in the last two years now? So twenty twenty two now. Oh, the team, the team. So the LSE. Team. You know what? I think I think we have managed to pull together a team of people who genuinely will not sacrifice on quality, mm. and I absolutely love that because we've managed to make like low quality the enemy upstairs. You know the Nigerian idea of you know manage it like that. Now see what they do. Um, those those two phrases I always I always mention them when people are joining, like you know onboarding calls. I'm like, we don't want that. Think about the gold standard and try and create that. That's it. Right. Just go for that gold standard. So having people who have who have like bought into that and actually like supporting building it because I think stairs one of those places where you come in and you realize you are no longer the smartest person in the room. You know, and that keeps happening over. Like it's always, it's always interesting. Like for people, you know, I have a nice background, and you know, I've gone to school of that. And you get there, like, okay, there are really smart people here. Like the last two of the two managers who have left here, I've gone on to do PhDs, <laughs> right? and it's like that's the kind of that's kind of environment. So being able to build that culture in Nigeria, where people really want to push for the, you know, push for the best, I'm actually really, really proud of that. I think combining that with an environment where people also feel relaxed you know can you know be creative that's very important but like the team is I'm, I'm actually part of a team and i i think very very deeply about how to continue to like maintain that retain mm. that culture because i'm a so i used to be very very obsessed and interested in politics so i used to read all the books about nigerian history everything i would like just cover it 
1800, I'm there, 1960, I'm there, <laughs> till I'm there. And then I just dropped that face and went into this like business people management first. And I realized like management theory and how to actually like pull people together and get them to do things is really fascinating. So I do spend a lot of time thinking about like the people, the team, how to get people together to like, you know, achieve something like that's that's I think that's fed into the company. And if you want to answer that same question, but team aside, is there something else you must find? Hmm. Team aside, I think I think that we are alive <laughs> is actually something to be very, very proud of because Nigerians don't like to pay for stuff. That's the truth, right? So subscription model in Nigeria. Because people are always like, ah, can't I get this elsewhere? I'm like, actually, no, you can't. Check. Go on Google and check. Google, look for the answer here. You, you won't find it, right? So getting Nigerians to, to pay, right? Getting, being able to use that to actually build a you know, sustainable model, particularly how the consumer business has helped us build an enterprise business, you know, on top of that, right? And I think going forward, the enterprise business will always be bigger, but the consumer business is very important, mm. right? It's like strategically important. So being alive, being able to get all of that infrastructure together, and build a slow newsroom. Um, I think I think that's something we're very very proud of. I'm very proud How has building well. stairs impacted you as a person? Just uh, think about being a corporate lawyer. Uh, I have learned that I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that is it. Like when I talked about confidence from the beginning, it was because you see, there's it, it goes like this. It's like some days you're like, I know what I'm doing now. No what problem. <laughs> we are here. We like we read that book, you know. But I have learned how much like things change very quickly, and you have to keep learning. Like it's it's a it's a daily job. You have to keep you have to keep learning, and also I have really learned how different people are. Mm. Like it's it's amazing. Like, maybe I was always surrounded by very similar people. I think across the founders we have these similarities, right? Like there's, we can have this, we, we can have a discussion for like, you know, four or five hours and we just keep going. So there's strong similarities between all of us. And then when you build a team and you see people with different personalities, different viewpoints, and then you have to manage all of them. I'm like, man, the world is actually filled with very different people. Like they can do the job, they can do like great things, but like different opinions that actually make sense. Like different ways to achieve the same thing. All of it is like, what? Because in, in, in like corporate law, we learn best practices, easy. Mm. I felt very good at that by the time I was, I was leaving, right? Give me a document to mark up, no problem. Let me explain, like, no problem, but in, in stairs where the next challenge is something that nobody has worked on before. Like, we launched a consumer subscription product, so we had to, start learning about payments because we essentially had to make that work very well and i was like how how yeah it's just so much so when i look at like different things and that's why i asking question about the camera and all of that you realize how difficult it is to actually get anything done mm. right so i think those th those two things have been they've touched me. makes sense so there's one of the articles where you talked about the speed and velocity of early startups yes oh that's it that's summarize it. That's a lesson. So I used to think about speed, right? You're just doing things fast. And 
I made that distinction between speed and velocity because we realized velocity is about moving in a particular direction, right? And that direction is key because people can move very quickly in different directions mm. and, you know, they can actually break things. But when they are aligned, it's actually beautiful. That, like, That's it. In, there was a point where people used to, like, make fun of me for... Because my favorite word instead was alignment. I'll just go on about guys, we need to be aligned. If you're aligned, <laughs> you can get it done. So velocity is really about just going that direction. Like everyone is like, we're going to break down this door. And we all just go after that door. Nobody hits the wall. Nobody hits something else. You just go after the door. Like OKRs, all those things, like all those management like um, tools to make them work. I, I love them. That's amazing. Is there something that you, is there anything you would do differently if you're going to do your entire journey to now? Ah, uh, yes, no, everything. Ah, <laughs> uh, everything. You know, that's why, that's why, like, humility comes as well as everything. Like, all that time, you know, I said in, we started blog, we were just writing, ah, uh, today, ah, uh, do differently. Like, you know, day one, you just be moving. Like, I knew what the pit deck was for a long time. You no, know, I kept, like, they were, like, I think everything could have been done faster. That's, you know, fundamentally mm. it. But also, I now appreciate how, if I could go back, yes, corporate law. I also did like six months at BP, oil and gas, you know, company, um, in like m and in the m and team. So it was a different culture. But I would probably have like worked in a startup, just any startup yeah. out there, just like see what it's like. Because I came from a corporate background. We're good at saying things, attention, detail. So it wasn't so much of a shocker because we had time to, to ramp mm. up, right? But I keep thinking, I need more case studies. That's <laughs> it, right? How does this company do it? How does that company do it, right? And the fact that what I have is, you know, just that okay. corporate experience, like, I that that as well. But, like, speed, definitely. Like, we made some decisions in the beginning, like, to maybe build stuff, our tech stack. And, like, why did we build our own CMS? Why didn't we take <laughs> WordPress? Who, who informed us about this? So, so many things, but, like... It's not one thing I'll change on. It's the whole, the whole thing. I'll just <laughs> same goal, but but do it, do, it, do it entirely differently. Very interesting. My final question for you: You you mentioned a couple of times like economic downturn and just how I mean the world is experimenting. Crisis is everywhere. Um, economics guy, what are your what are your predictions about how or where we're headed? <laughs> so let me you know in my informed opinion, all predictions are wrong. Let's just put that on the table. <laughs> all of them are wrong. But I'll speak from the, from the Nigerian context, I actually think we'll be more insulated than the rest of the, the world. If you no, look I at see. how the economic downturn is happening, right? So obviously at the base of it is the fact that there's been all this cheap money in the economy because of, you know, COVID and the fact that US Fed dropped interest rates. So there was just more money in the system and increasing, you know, supply means everyone gets, gets some funding, right? You, you're building that important company, you get some money. It's not an important company. You also get some money. Everybody gets some money, right? That's generally the, the thinking. Of course, a lot more of that happened in Silicon Valley than in, than in Nigeria. So that money eventually started to trickle down. More investors, you know, start to look to emerging markets because they're looking for, like, higher returns, high-risk, high return. But fundamentally, I think the startups in Nigeria were not, like, they were not reckless in how they built, right? didn't see people expanding to a thousand employees when they only needed 200, right? Burn rates went sort of crazy. Of course, there are always those whispers about, you know, companies that spent a little bit more. But fundamentally, right, we're solving pretty important problems, many of them at the infrastructure level. 
people are smart about it because we've been conditioned by the Nigerian environment. Like ease of doing business in Nigeria is so tough that you don't wake up in there and say, I just want to hire 50 new people if you don't if you don't need them, right? And because investors have generally had a higher bar for like you know African companies, and the example is like the the maybe typical YC company would be early stage, right? But in Nigeria, you might find you know typical African YC company a little bit more mature, you know have revenue because Nigeria, you can't just raise on a pitch deck and an idea, you know, it doesn't really work work that way. So I think our companies are inherently a bit more resilient. That's one thing. The second thing is that actually the, the fact that the Naira is falling helps tech companies that raise in dollars, right? Because that means they're essentially like you raise, uh, let's say you raise a thousand dollars right and you know the naira is 500 it becomes 650 actually as long as you didn't convert everything right you have more money so obviously the catch is if your revenue is in if your revenue is in naira then you know you're you're paying for it and you might have a net loss but fundamentally right i think that has been that has been um um beneficial and i i think so we will still see the impact because as we say in stairs right when the u.s economy sneezes everyone catches a cold so we are definitely going to fee feel it, right? Investors are going to be a bit more like uncertain. Maybe funds that were being deployed over a you know twelve month period, they'll say we can do it over twenty four months, right? You know those days of Tiger Global trying to do one deal a day, no due diligence. I think people will start being like, send me your financial model. <laughs> Let me actually see, you know, sell E five. Are you sure that's going to happen? So I, I expect that, but I don't think it will be that. I don't think it would be that bad, um, that bad for us. You can already see though, like the, let me use one public indicator. So like funding announcements. Yeah. First of all, funding announcements are a lagging indicator because you're hearing an announcement that, you know, the money landed six months ago. Yeah. In fact, some people have finished spending their money. They're, they're announcing it, right? Money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, in fact, the announcement is to motivate people to get them, get them going, right? So it's always lagging indicator, right? But where we were in Q3 last year, in terms of announcements, it's not where we are now. So from Q4 last year, we're already seeing a slowdown, right? And that's going to like persist because Q1 this year, Q2 this year, we've seen that slowdown continue. But I think overall, Nigerian tech companies, we we will be okay. The US guys, I can't speak for them. They're, <laughs> they're in trouble. Okay, cool. And my very last question is, your story is amazing. Um, but what's one thing? It could be a lesson. It could be a mantra. It could be alignment. What's <laughs> 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 was, was one thing you want someone like, oh, if you guys forget every other thing about what I just shared about my story, what's one thing I would like you to take away from this? Yeah. Um, I would say whatever you do, optimize for confidence. Um, and I mean that because everything I have done and done like well has been driven by my own self-confidence and um, but confidence comes from very different things some people are more confident when they have a very detailed plan other people build their confidence from just going after a goal without a full plan right regardless of, of what it is i think if you always optimize for that you find yourself being pretty bold in what you go after you find yourself like pushing the limits you find yourself actually just doing more because internally you're really motivated so 
essentially, if you go for that motivation, if you go for that confidence, I think you'll find yourself always pushing boundaries. So optimize for confidence. Optimize for confidence. That's a good way to end the interview. Optimize for confidence, guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast to the end. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I hope that you have been inspired or motivated to get better in your careers, in your businesses, in your life. I hope this, you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you subscribe to the videos on my YouTube channel at PCTME or just search for Founders Connect and you'll find the playlist and then subscribe to the channel. Also, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Leave a rating also so more people can find it and also talk about the episode that you listen to. Hashtag Founders Connect across social media. Hey, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.